All right. Hey, um, whether you're visiting uh, or whether this is your church, God, God brought you here to say something to you. Um, God is in the details. Nothing, nothing happens at random with God. Uh, and if you're visiting, you'll be glad to know that I don't usually talk that long. Uh, so although if you go here all the time, you're conditioned for my length and you're like, I don't know, it feels long to me. But uh, Matthew 7, 24. Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, after everything I've said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the pandemic came, the stress rose, the job loss came, inflation rose, right? The crisis came, anxiety rose, the storms of life came. The wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In Ephesians 4, it says that the reason God made some people to be pastors is for the equipping of God's people to do the works of ministry, to play your part in God's kingdom, and for the building up of the church in faith, in knowledge, in maturity, in love, in truth, in unity. So I'm just going to continue on the course we've been on, even though we have kind of a special occasion happening just now. Uh, I want to continue on the course we've been on through the Sermon on the Mount. Let's continue building our lives and building our church family on the foundation of God's Word. So if you have a Bible or you have a device with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, we're going to keep it short today. It's actually only going to be five verses, one through five. Uh, even if you've never picked up the Bible, it might be familiar to you. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you also will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Welcome to Center Church. <laughs> First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Uh, sometimes people will say, man, Christians are such hypocrites. And I just want to say, I know we are the worst. The truth is, I think every single person alive is guilty of holding other people to a standard that they themselves don't live up to. You ever done that? Okay. We're all guilty there. We should just call our church First Church of the Hypocrite and get it out of the way. Isn't it awesome that God knows we're hypocrites and he loves us anyway? That's why the gospel's good news, because he loves us anyway. This passage is one of, if not the most abused and misused passages in the Bible. So a quick shout out to all the Gen Xers in the room. Okay, that's, we're the forgotten generation, and we're pretty hostile about it, so this moment is for us, okay? Um, uh, one of the biggest pop culture icons of my generation was a rapper named Tupac. Now, if this is your church, you're like, man, that's two rap references in a row. I made one last week. Probably the only two in 10 years. Who'd have thunk, right? Uh, Tupac had this famous song called Only God Can Judge Me. You remember, remember, remember that? Does anybody know that song? Okay, yeah, I saw that hand over there, Micah. Uh, only God can judge me. And it became a really famous tattoo. You may notice sometimes that a lot of celebrities, people you're familiar with, uh, have this tattoo. Uh, Kevin Garnett, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, 
You know, he wears tank tops every time you see him on TV, and you can see it has it right down the side of his arm. And it's become something of a mantra in our culture for people who don't want to live life with any kind of restraint or submit themselves to other people to say, only God can judge me. You can't judge me. You can't judge me. Only God can do that. And my observation is what, that what they really mean when they say that is, don't tell me what to do. That's what, they, that's what they're generally saying. Most of the time, we don't use that phrase, only God can judge me. We don't use it um, as a way to examine our own motives and, and be accountable to God for our activities. We usually use it to say, you know, I don't think I like what you're saying, Toph. I don't think I like the fact that you're trying to correct me. Only God can judge me, so stand down. We don't use it to say, hey, I'm going to be really gracious to other people because God is going to judge me. We just don't use it that way. So let me just be really straight on something, Tove. If I see you, I'm sorry you sat right in the front. This is the only reason this is happening to you right now. Uh, if I happen to see that you're engaged in some kind of an attitude or activity that I know is going to be destructive to you and your family, I'm going to say something. And I would hope that you would do the same thing for me. Because that's what love does. Love offers correction. In order for me to confront that issue, if I see you doing something, though, I'm going to have to make a judgment that it's a problem, right? I have to decide that what you're doing is, is, is going to be harmful to you. I have to make that judgment. So in order for me to love you and love your family, I have to be willing to make a judgment and say, listen, bro, I, I think you're on the wrong track here. But if I do that and then you weaponize this verse and say, you know what? Judge not, Pastor Kelly, or you will be judged just to shut me up, then you've completely missed the point of this verse, my friend. Thankfully, you're not going to do that, I'm sure. Okay, so here's what we know about judgment. You make judgments all the time. I make judgments all the time. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will say, will go on to say that you can judge a tree, meaning a life, a person, whether they're good or bad, by their fruit. What he's not saying is, he's not saying, don't judge anything. Don't pass any kind of judgment. He's not saying don't discern between right and wrong. Don't discern between good and bad. He's cautioning us that the final judgment is reserved for God. God is the one that we are accountable to. So be cautious the way you judge other people because you will receive the same type of judgment from him. Now, Jesus goes on to use this pretty funny analogy, and I just want to say, it's meant to be over the top. Like, if you're trying to picture, like, what would it look like to have a plank in your eye? It's meant to be kind of a ridiculous, over-the-top saying. Okay, so he says in verse 3, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Okay, so here's a couple of things that we should just be clear about. One, getting anything in your eye, even if it's just a speck, it hurts. And it, will, it can just render you incapable of doing anything else, even if it's just a speck. One time I was riding motorcycles uh, with my friend Matt Groppner and some other people. Matt, you're online this morning. Good morning. Uh, and uh, we'd been on this trail ride. It was summer. It was hot. We're all sweaty. We get off the trail. We're back to the dirt road. And we're heading back to our campsite. And I just lifted up my face shield a little bit just to get some air going in there. If you have ridden motorcycles, you kind of know that. Big mistake. And I could see, if this ever happened to you, like I could see as I'm going like maybe 30 miles an hour, like a bug just coming right at my eyeball. <laughs> just a little tiny gnat, and it just went, boom, right in my eyeball, because I had lifted up the, the face shield. And it turns out that I have the exact same reaction to a gnat landing in my, lie, landing in my eye that I would have if I was being attacked by a ravenous grizzly bear. It's exactly <laughs> the same. 
I just ditched my motorcycle, threw my helmet on the ground, and started jamming my grungy, dirty fingers in my eye as if that would be better to try to get the gnat out. And the point is, now that I've belabored it, even having something really small in your eye can render you totally blind. It's, it has big consequences. The second thing that I just want to make sure we're clear on is that you can't actually have a plank in your eye. It's hyperbole. He's, he's not actually making a, it's not literal. I mean, could you just imagine someone like with a plank, like a 10 foot long plank sticking out of their eye, like swinging it around. Uh, it's, it's not even really possible knocking things over, okay? When we call out an issue in someone else's life, Christians often respond by saying, hey, bro, why don't you get the, why don't you get the log out of your eye before you come trying to get the speck out of my eye? That's, that's how we often respond. But it's like a robber saying to the judge, yeah, I mean, I did commit that burglary, but that guy did it three times, thinking that the judge is going to be like, oh, well, I guess you're good then, since that guy did it three and you only did it one. It's kind of like that when we say, oh, well, why don't you get the log out of your eye. It's basically as if to say the speck isn't even there. But the point is that when you're in the wrong, when you have something in your eye, whether it's big or small, you can't see, even if it's just a little thing. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're meant to help each other, not condemn each other. If you're looking at the world through the eyes of judgment and pride, aka if you have a log in your eye, then you can't help anyone else because you're blinded too. And this is what pride does. Pride makes us so judgmental that we can't get close enough to anyone else to actually help them. So imagine that I just had this huge plank in my eye. Toph, you ready for another one? All right. Imagine that I had this huge plank in my eye and Toph said, hey, Pastor Kelly, could you, could you help me get this little speck out of my eye? Well, if there's a 10-foot board sticking out of my head, it's going to be pretty hard for me to get close enough to see what's in Toph's eye. It's going to be hard for me to get close to him. And if I'm a person who's full of judgment, I probably have a hard time getting close to other people. It's probably really hard for me to speak into their lives. So the principle of the -the over-the-top analogy is this, okay? A person whose life is built on the foundation of Christ, okay, God's people, should be more interested in helping people than in judging people. Okay, if you're a followers, follower of Christ, you should be more interested in helping people than in judging people. Okay, we got to address the plank in our own eye before we can be helpful, not judgmental to others. That's the difference between pride and grace. So what should we do? What should we do with this parable, this analogy that Jesus told? Should we just remain neutral on everything and have no moral viewpoint and just give our approval to anyone and everything? No. Of course not. That's, that's not what Jesus did. It's not what he's called us to do. Okay? There are differences in types of judgment. And I'll just try to differentiate in this way. Okay? Let's differentiate between making judgment and passing judgment. Let's call those two different things. Okay? You make judgments all the time. Uh, you made the judgment that it was a good idea to come here this morning. And, you know, the jury might still be out. We'll see how it goes, uh, how your idea pans out. Okay, you make judgments all the time. This is exactly why Jesus said, each tree is known by its fruit. You're known by the outcome of your judgments, your decisions, your discernment. And it is expected and should be anticipated that as you learn God's word, you'll be able to put it into practice by growing in wisdom, by gaining discernment. 
by learning the difference between good and bad, right and wrong, life-giving and life-destroying. In John 27, 24, Jesus says to the whole crowd of people, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So he's not saying don't make judgments in the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying judge rightly, have wise judgment. So how do we make judgments rightly? Okay, this is the way we do this. It's really simple, and you're going to be like, yeah, that's what a pastor should say. Uh, The way we learn to make right judgments, right decisions to have wisdom, is through the Scripture, God's self-disclosure to us. This is one of the ways we gain wisdom. We understand God's heart. We understand God's will. And as your pastor, I just want to tell you in the clearest way I can that the way you make good judgments is by learning the Word of God and putting it into practice. That's exactly what Jesus said. That's how you build your life on it. You, you understand, you take in his words, and then you put it into practice. This is how we grow in our ability to make right judgments. We make right judgments, right and wrong, good and bad, wise and unwise. We make them based on the word of God. Passing judgment, on the other hand, that's God's job. That's what he gets to do. In a sense, Tupac was kind of right. When we pass judgment on someone, we presume to know what God knows. When we pass final judgment on someone, we presume to have authority that we just don't have, that only he has. So when a brother and sister, brother or sister in Christ comes to you uh, with a word of correction, it's not abusive. It's not cruel. It's loving. Okay, trust me. Most of the Christians I know, the last thing they want to do is spend their life managing yours. Because they got plenty of life to manage on their own. But you know what would be cruel? Way more cruel than correcting someone. What would be cruel is for a brother or sister in Christ to say, yeah, that's cool. God's fine with whatever. You just go do you. Don't even worry about it. That would be cruel to just let you wander off into deception. If you find a church where everyone just affirms everything you ever say or do or believe and never says, hey, have you thought about this? That's a place where either everyone is perfect Or it's a place where no one is growing and being formed into the life that God has created for them. So I just want to be honest with you. Not that I wasn't honest before. If the Bible is true, okay? Now, I both think uh, with intellectual integrity and believe by faith that the Bible is true. That's a reasonable thing for you to think. If the Bible is true, then there will be a day when God does judge each of us according to the fruit of our lives. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows all of your actions. He knows your heart. He fully understands your motivations. And when God tells you you're wrong, either through the Bible or a trusted friend or the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's proof that he loves you. When he tells you you're wrong, it's proof that he loves you. What would be cruel and would be proof that he doesn't love you is if he just let you wander away thinking you're fine and then eventually ending up under the weight of his wrath. That would be cruel of him. When he corrects you, it's because he loves you. Because Kyle and Taylor love their daughter, they will offer Harper correction, a lot of it over the years. When God says you're wrong, it's proof that he loves you. He tells us that we're wrong so that we don't fall under his judgment. So here's the truth about how judgment works, okay? On planet Earth, everyone passes judgment. This is totally normal. You do this, I do this, happens all around you all the time. Some judgments are based on wisdom, some are based on experiences, some are based on speculation. We do it all the time. 
Uh, this was really evident to me a few years ago, six or seven years back. Pastor Rick and I went to a Seahawks game. And uh, there was a lady sitting next to me named Cindy, and on the other side of her was her husband, whose name I don't remember. Let's just call him loud, obnoxious, drunk guy. Uh, And he was there with about 70,000 of his friends uh, doing the same thing. And the whole game, oh my gosh, I mean, it's been all these years, and I just can't get out of my head, it was that obnoxious. Um, The whole game, he would stay, he would scream, you got to throw it to Cursor Baldwin. Anybody remember Jermaine Curse and Doug Baldwin? They played for the team. Cursor Baldwin. Throw it to Cursor Baldwin. And he was like getting mad at Pete Carroll for not throwing the ball to Cursor Baldwin. And I said to Pastor Rick, I was like, you know, I think we got to get Pete Carroll out of here. He doesn't know nothing. This is our guy right here. He knows what to do, right? Everyone in the stadium just about is passing judgment on what should happen as if the people on the field had no idea what they were doing. Okay, they're all passing judgment on, on everything. Judgment was being passed by everyone in the building, by drunk fans, by sober fans, by referees, by coaches. Everyone was passing judgment, but there was only one judgment that mattered. At the end of the game, you looked up at the scoreboard, that's the one that mattered. That was the only one that made a difference. This is, making, this is the difference between making judgments and passing judgment. The final authority belongs to God. I am not the scoreboard. You are not the scoreboard. If you feel judged by others, it's okay. They're not the scoreboard. God is the scoreboard. And so maybe just in your heart, maybe there's people that you kind of need to just like set them free, really maybe set yourself free by just saying, you know what? I know they have treated me harshly in their judgment, but it's okay because they're not the scoreboard. I want to encourage you Let that go. Set yourself free. Set them free in that way. Here's why all that is good news, okay? In a sense, only God can judge you. Uh, It pains me to say it, but I think Tupac was kind of on the right track, Uh, as hard as that is for me to admit. Final judgment belongs to God alone. But the issue is not whether God can judge you. The issue is that he will judge you. That's That's a real thing. Here's why it's good news, okay? As I've said many, many times over the years, It's good news because Jesus is a qualifier, not a disqualifier. Jesus didn't come to disqualify you. Jesus didn't come so that you could be under God's harsh judgment. He came so that you could be forgiven and qualified. So before we close down, um, I just want to walk through just a couple of the most famous verses in all the Bible, okay? So um, you're here today, you're watching online, and you're like, man, this is really elementary basic stuff. John 3.16. Isn't that like the starting line? I want to encourage you, hear it again through new ears. Receive it again through fresh ears. John 3.16, God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for your sins. He loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for you. That one's pretty familiar, right? That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. The next verse, 317, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That was not his purpose. His purpose was that in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come into the world to condemn you, but to save you. God's desire is not to condemn you. God's desire is not to condemn that person who's driving you nuts. His desire is to save you, to save them. 
Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Present tense. Judgment has already passed. By faith in Christ, you are not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Now, someone might say, so Kelly, you're telling me that if I don't believe the right thing, then I fall under God's judgment and wrath? What I am telling you is it doesn't have to be that way. There is another option. There are two potential realities for all of us. One is that you've already been judged in Jesus. You've already put your faith in him, and he has already taken God's wrath for you when he died on the cross. I am so thankful for that. He's already secured eternal life for you at the resurrection. That's one possibility, that God's judgment has already fallen for you, and it has fallen in a good place thanks to Jesus. If that's you, go free from the weight of judging others. And that's a burden. That's a burden that none of us should carry through life because we don't have to. That judgment has already fallen. Have the same heart toward others that Jesus had toward you when he redeemed you and pulled you back from God's wrath. That's one possibility. The second one is, the other possible reality is that you have not received God's grace through faith in Christ. And you can come under that grace right now. Now, maybe you have, maybe you've said the prayer, maybe you've followed Jesus in the past. Today, you can start anew. If you're not where you want to be, when we admit that we're wrong, we admit that we've fallen short of God's standard, and we just acknowledge that Jesus was the Son of God who died on the cross so that we could be right with God, freedom is ours. I know what you're thinking. I've done a lot of goofy stuff. It seems like it should be harder than that, and the great news is it isn't. The bill has already been paid. By faith in Christ, we can move out from under the judgment of God and move under the umbrella of his grace. If you need to do that today, I just want to invite you. Jesus came because God looked at you. He looked at you through the eyes of mercy, not condemnation. So I pray that you will receive forgiveness and turn his way for the first time or the 10,000th time, and that you'll look at others through the same eyes that he looked at you when he came and hung on the cross for you. Let me pray for you. Pastor Rick is going to come, and, uh, and he's going to kick us out in a minute. Lord, I thank you so much for new beginnings, this new family that we get to celebrate, this new, uh, not, not, not a new birth, but just a beginning, a new start of something beautiful. And God, I thank you that you have made that same, same type of new beginning available to us, Lord, that as, as a family begins to blossom, Lord, it's, it's such a great metaphor for how our life in you can begin to blossom. And so, Lord, we just want to circle all the way back to the basic fundamental gospel, the good news that you have paid our bill, Lord, that we are yours, not because we become perfect, but because you were perfect for us. We thank you that no matter how far we wander away, your grace goes farther, that you have paid the bill in full. And so, God, we just receive that today, whether it's, it's a brand new first time ever or it's just a new start. God, we receive your grace through Christ today in Jesus' name. Pastor Rick, you're looking good today. Thank you, thank you. I would say the same about you.